Okay, one thing I wanted to... So, we're calling this podcast Rethinking It All. Uh-huh. Uh, that's, that's your name on your Twitter, I believe. And, right. Well, what does that mean to you? What are, what are we rethinking? Everything or anything specific? Is it, what does that mean to you? Well, rethinking it all, well, it's probably almost everything in the universe. Yeah. Okay, so um, I've written a lot about uh, the multiverse, and I've developed some uh, proofs with a mathematician, kind of looking at some of the ar- what the architecture of existence is. So it doesn't get much more basic than that, of kind of looking what reality is. And in the multiverse, there are an infinite number of, of realities, universes, alternative histories, etc. So my theory kind of is supportive of that, my mathematical proofs. Uh, and so from there, I then move into other areas like, you know, what makes, uh, what makes somebody happy, you know, and what, what leads for somebody to have a, a life of good well-being. And so I've written on that and... Uh, you know, one of the things we know, I think I may have mentioned this previously, but, um, you know, positive thinking, positive emotions is what helps us connect with the universe around us, helps us connect with one another, is our feelings of caring and empathy and compassion, curiosity. These are all positive emotions that connect us with the world around us, people, nature, everything. And this is actually how the universe is built. The, built. the universe is built on this interconnectedness with everything across all these different realities and universes and across in our universe between people and the air we breathe, trees, plants, people. And so it's this interconnectedness that's very important. And through this interconnectedness, we then have feelings of security. We're able to be more exploratory and happy. Um, and it, we're also able to be much more adaptable. With positive emotions, you're more adaptable. Whereas with negative emotions, negative emotions have their place because they help us with critical thinking, help us to know that something's wrong and we need to do something about it. But chronic negative thinking only contracts us. So we become more fear-based. And obviously there's a lot of fear-based dynamics in our society now, yes. economically, politically, in terms of relationships. And it's this fear-based that then leads to kind of narcissism and controlling and hate and you know a lot of polarization that we're facing so that that's actually a pretty impressive answer in terms of what you're trying to accomplish um have you have you had much experience in terms of like putting that into practice because you are a psychologist so you you see people and uh, I, in one of our previous discussions, right. you mentioned that your main goal is to help improve the lives of patients. Yes. So have you had, have you been able to put your ideas into practice yeah. through through yeah. your psychology and, and had good results from that, would you say? Yeah, I, I would say I, I've applied this to, you know, working with my clients about how to build their lives on positive emotions and constructive interrelationships. Uh, and, you know, but that can be difficult because a lot of people, um, you know, come from a lot of trauma or yeah. abuse or neglect, and that moves people more towards a fear orientation. So it's difficult to get people to let go of their fear. And part of the, the, the issue here is, is kind of a cognitive one, is that we're, we're more likely to hold on to something we can be certain about, that we can predict. So if I'm if you know i can i'm a somewhat depressed person i sometimes i could be attached to my depression i could be attached to maintaining the depression because it has a certainty i know about it i've been doing it for many years whereas becoming not depressed and moving out and you know is can be kind of scary yeah. incredibly scary and so people cling to who they are we all cling to who we are in wow. lots of ways and sometimes it psychotherapy can help people then shift and change but a major, another, I think one of the things I try to do that's maybe a little different than some therapists is not only do I look at the micro issues, like what's going on for the individual and their personal history and their connection with friends and loved ones, I also look at macro issues. So what is their job like? Is their job making them happy or is it oppressing them? Well, if it's oppressing you, then that's going to affect everything else. So we need to look at macro issues. Uh, What about, are you making enough money to achieve your goals? Well, you know, you may have all kinds of goals, but if you've got a job that it doesn't enable you to make, achieve your goals, then that could be oppressive and it could be harmful. 
then we can look at larger political, sometimes get into larger political issues and philosophy and stuff. And wow. because there's, you know, it's, there's bigger issues that affect us. Right. You know, one, you know, like one of the simple things is you'll have somebody who's lost their job. They're de they get depressed because they lost their job. And a lot of people are very identified with their jobs. They get depressed. And then they see a therapist and the therapist helps in lots of ways and maybe creates the, you know, sort of the situation so that they can get another job. And as soon as they get another job, voila, they're not depressed anymore. Okay. <laughs> because the system at a larger system level they 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 got what they needed. They got their job, part of their system. Wow, that's that's, that's quite all encompassing. Right, right, right. And of course, you know, a lot of people are tortured by their bosses and managers. <laughs> it's quite a lot. I mean, there are some good bosses right. and managers out there. Please don't let me get me right. wrong. But there are a lot that aren't so good. You know, that's obviously I see the I work with patients right. who obviously are having difficulties like that. So oh, yeah, sometimes it means being being aware of how the system is manipulating you. What's going on politically, economically, to keep you kind of down on the farm? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I didn't so, mean to. No, no, that's no. I'm just processing it. I mean, because I, you know, people, I would imagine, come with a lot of all. They're pre-programmed in a certain way, and rethinking it all, uh, it's kind of difficult to get around some people's pre-programming of the way they see the world. Uh, have you found it to be kind of difficult to get people to rethink think i can i can speak for right, myself right. like i i mean you know a lot of times in my life i felt like i knew mm -hmm. something right and i would you know fight to defend mm -hmm. it in a way yeah. um only later to realize i was completely wrong um and so i've always kind of taken a position now at this point in my life mm -hmm. where i i try not to act like i know anything because <laughs> right. well, <that's> good. <laughs> you know so I, yeah. i'm willing to rethink anything but uh, a lot of people I've met or know, uh -huh. they're not necessarily that way. Uh, you know, how do you get? How do you think you get by someone's you know pre-programming or what they believe? Well, it, um, it helps. What you know helps defend, make, create our sense of identity, and that's very hard to let go of, is our identity. But um, so getting people to kind of look at other possibilities, at other alternatives in their life. Uh, to get them, let's say if you have somebody who is thinking very negatively, to help them think more positively, you know, that can help move things. But we're very attached to our certainties and, and what yeah. we want to be and how we view ourselves. And uh, I know in my own personal life that, you know, it's only when I've gotten hit by some two-by-fours <laughs> that I have, you know, been able to wake up and see things more more clearly, Yeah, you know. Um, and that's hard. That's very hard. So it's uh, important to kind of have a wake-up call moment. Yes, you know, it is. Sometimes we all have wake-up call moments, and that's a good time to take advantage of them and to make shifts. That's changes. a good opportunity for growth, right? Right, right. Yeah. So if you get fired from a, you know, a lot of people get fired from a job or they get laid off and they think it's the end of the universe. And sometimes it can actually be, you know, be a new beginning. I know that sounds a little trite. Oh, I'm starting a new beginning. But sometimes it radically is. I know my own life, I've been fired from some jobs. Yeah. And I thought it was terrible. And it then led to actually something a lot better. A lot better. I was working at the university. Yeah. I won't mention the university. <laughs> well, maybe I should. But anyways, <laughs> I eventually got fired. And, uh, you know, and I was good at what I did. I was chair of the department of psychology. I, was a, I thought I was a fairly good administrator, but it was kind of a waste of my talents, I think, doing that. It was fun for a little while, for a couple of years. And then I got fired. I will go into all the politics that led to my being fired. Right. Uh, no were, worries. Like, thick, very thick. <laughs> anyway, so we'll I, got, I got let back. See, I, know, I was fired. About five or six other people were fired at the same time. Okay. Oh, yeah. It was, it was like a massacre. Okay. Somebody was cleaning house and they gotcha. got rid of all their enemies. Or so-called. Too perceived, much radical Perceived enemies. Yeah, perceived that. enemies. But by doing that, I then got more into my, I developed more of full-time practice. And then I could spend a lot more time on my writing. Yeah. If I hadn't been fired from that job, if I was still at that job, I wouldn't have written like all the things I've written. Probably nowhere near. Right. So that was a blessing. Oh, I, I, you know, I can totally relate. I mean, you know, where I'm at, right? You know, when I started my channel on YouTube, I, I started because I, I, I had a recent business I had just, you know, stopped. It was during COVID. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything going on. And it gave me the opportunity to just go all in on an idea. And uh, and it and it worked out and it worked out great and you know yes. I've never been happier you know and the, and and things are just they keep building on themselves you know to the point where here we are doing this podcast right. you know in which you mm -hmm. know 
uh, uh, no means a perfect podcast yet, I'm assuming, you know, so I apologize for any audio jank or camera jank that I get, but we'll get better at this, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's like, uh, gosh, I, at this point, I would be shuddered to think of what would have happened if my life had just kept going on the way it was going without that negative thing being right. the catalyst for that something way better. It. Right, but you were able then to, to seize your opportunity. Certain things came along and you yes. were open to them and you saw them and then you threw the dice. You were able to take a chance. You, you didn't have to. You could have just get doing the same thing you always did, but you then took a chance and that led open more of your world. And, and that's part of, I think, I think the world is infinite in its possibilities. I know that's kind of a Star Trek thing, too. But, <laughs> but I really believe that. I think there are infinite possibilities at all time, but we just can't see them. Now, some of the possibilities we don't have any access to. They're just beyond our understanding and comprehension. And then there are certain possibilities that, you know, maybe are not worth our time and energy or have a very low probability of success. And, but then there's a lot of other things that have some, you know, moderate level of success or even high success if we can see them. That's hard. Well, you just said there, when we can see them. So do you think one of the most important aspects of that is being able to recognize opportunities or potential opportunities when they arise and take action? Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's, I think it's both, a two, it's a two-way street. It's not only, it's first of all, you have to open yourself. You have to be vulnerable to the possibilities and open yourself to them. And in some ways, the possibilities pull you. Mm. So it's not just you, it's other people in situations pulling you and you're in a relationship with them and together you move forward. It's not just you, there are other people, you know, I don't know. Right. There are other, other, other aspects yeah. in, in the universe that are moving you along because you open yourself to them. And, and so and that's how I think most things happen is that we're always in connection with things. And it's not just us, which gets at one of my major pet peeves. It's this, this constant meism we see in our culture, this constant focus on the self. Selfishness. Yeah, and selfishness. And everything is transactional. And everything is about, you know, about the person. And that never leads to happiness. It might lead to power. It might lead to right. lots of money. It might lead to even pleasure of making people wiggle underneath you or you're putting, you know, it might have that kind of sadistic quality to it. There's lots of kinds of pleasure, but it never really leads to feeling harmonious inside, high well-being, a sense of peacefulness, mm. a sense of real connectedness, a lovingness. It doesn't lead to that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I actually couldn't agree more with that. Um but you know, I guess the difficulty in in that idea, like for me, for example, um, and I won't delve too too much into the details, at least not on this episode. But I didn't get to a point where I recognized my own selfishness as being so detrimental to my life, and how much better ideas of selflessness were mm -hmm. until I, you know, was uh, just I was in ruins. You know, my <laughs> life was in ruins. That took that for me to realize right. what I needed to change. Um, you know, and, and all too often, I think that might be the story of people who find that as the way to go forward. Um, you know, and the difficulty being getting people to recognize that selfishness is not yeah. necessarily a good thing and that there's actually right. uh, selflessness leads right. to a much happier living. I, I think it does. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't follow what, what's in your heart, what's about you, you know, self-expression. Right manifesting who we are in the world that's very important so we need to be in connection with who we are and what we want and to accept that and try to make something of it but it's always through relationships with others and with the environment that these things unfold so we need a certain balance between self-focus and kind of carrying out our dreams and visions balanced with how we're connected with the world and with other people and, and I think we are general, you know, we are individual creatures, but we're also very social creatures. I mean, if you go to any business, you know, mom, pa shop or a large corporation, people usually work a lot harder and put a lot more time in than they, what they get paid for. Yeah. Why is that? Why, why do people, why do people who work for Amazon and Microsoft 
putting in 80 hours. I mean, yeah, they're getting paid well, but they're not getting paid that well for 80 hours, considering the stress and, you know, the toll on their bodies right. and relationships. But they're doing it because there's this need to do, to connect, to be there for others, to be there for the larger collective or the <clears throat> for the purpose of the business. That's pretty social. That's pretty altruistic when you think about it. Hmm. I, I've never thought about it like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole, in, you know, in other, in other ways, if everybody was selfish in a, in a corporation, everything would grind to a halt. <clears throat> Nobody would do anything for everybody. Everybody would be paranoid. Everybody would try to get away with whatever they could. And nothing would happen. Now, actually, this does happen in some corporations because I've consulted. And these, these are the corporations that fall apart because they become so individualistically focused, you know, so self, like you use selfish, that there isn't a connectingness between others and a, a shared dream or a vision. <clears throat> and then things do start to fall apart. Yeah, well, it's an interesting thought because, I mean, you know, most people, myself included, would probably say, you know, when I look at a job, basically in any form or any jobs I've had in my life, you know, I yeah. mean, uh, it was often a purely transactional thing. Um, although there were times, you know, you spoke about like a ma and pa store kind of thing where um, while working there, I legitimately did care about the health of the business right. to right. the point where I put in extra effort. Sure. Other times I remember working at a bank and... I didn't really care. I didn't, yeah, right. I didn't, I didn't, give, I didn't give a shit. I believe that. You know, and... Uh, right, as if the yeah. bank's going to care about right. you, right? Exactly. Well, exactly. <laughs> See, that was the problem is that, you know, I remember I was a teller at a bank at one right. point and I got a top teller where I was the best in the region, wow. did the most transactions and they contacted the customers. They were all happy with me and I got an award and it was oh. a $20 gift card to Starbucks. Oh, and deal, I was a little right? disappointed by <laughs> yeah, that. Literally. So I was like, you know, what it's am terrible. I working hard for? Right, right, exactly. Um, $20 Starbucks card. Right. Yeah. You know, so I mean, you know, there's terrible. different situation, but you know, uh, it's an interesting thought though, um, in terms of, you know, uh, people's motivations. Right, right. And what but, drives them. But also a lot of businesses manipulate people they manipulate people so that you will drink the kool-aid and you will work the 60 hours even though you're not getting much of the benefits and somebody else is higher executive or the corporation so that goes a lot and i mean there are a lot of interesting uh, like workshops about how to you know how to be kinder nicer how to listen communication there's all kinds of workshops you see in companies yeah and sometimes these things do improve situations but sometimes it's also it's a way to get people to think that actually things are improving when in fact they're not. <laughs> you know that, you know, and you see this a lot where you know it's pretty easy to fire somebody who's kind of at the bottom of, of a corporation. It's as you go up the the food chain, it always gets harder and harder. People are less accountable as you go up, and yeah. not more accountable. <laughs> so there's not a you know it, it, there's there's accountability going down. But not much of an accountability going up, right? I, which so, which I is guess, problematic because right. that's what then leads then to businesses to start making poor poor decisions, and, and this creates kind of, crazy politics also in companies. Yeah, and this comes into I mean, in terms of the stuff that you think about or write about, because you have a lot of unreleased writing that you've yeah. done on a number of topics like yeah. economics, dating, governance, meaning of life, uh, pretty much everything. Uh, you, well, know, that, that's, that, you know, well, that encompasses some big ideas. You know, I've just been thinking about this stuff and I've had a very, you know, varied life. I've been in many odds, I mean, obviously my disappearance. I've been in many different kinds of situations that I think have enabled me to have a few insights about things. So that's why I'm writing them. Well, but, you know, are the end all? No, I, you know, they're just ideas. They're hypotheses. You're and, rethinking and old be, ideas. Yeah, and those have to be rethought because, you know, at some point, you know, they're they're going to become, you know, if they were to become status, they will become status quo. They, you know, and things will need to move beyond them because that's how, that's how knowledge advances. It's all science, art, everything advances. We let go of the old and we move into the new. That doesn't mean we don't hold on to history and the new old in certain ways. You just can't create something totally new, but... Everything's based on something in the past. Well, with things like economics and governance and stuff like that, do you think things, obviously things change, but do they change towards the better? Because the people who control these things are often, I would say, greedy, selfish people, <laughs> you know? Well, And, and in yeah. terms of it changing for the better, 
usually for something like that to happen, you need like a, a, a catastrophic catalyst that makes mm. that happen. Yeah. Or does it, do you think it could naturally well, things evolve? Have, things are better. I mean, if you look at... Well, they certainly you know, are better than any time in the past. Yeah, like say. three or four hundred years ago. Certainly. I mean, you know, if the king said off with your head. Oh, right, yeah. Off oh, yeah. We're now, it's a little it's much better. harder to do that. It can still, you know, yeah. it can still get, things, bad things can still happen. But it is, I mean, there is more laws that protect, you know, the average person. Right. I mean, we do have sort of a democracy or a republic right. in the United States. We get to vote every two or four years or often on people we don't want, but still we get to vote, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you know, uh, you get some interesting yeah, options. You yeah, get some interesting <laughs> options. So you know, things are better. I think, especially for women, things are a lot better in in more modern cultures than they were hundreds of years ago, yeah, or certainly. even in fairly, uh, uh, let's say, pre-modern cults, nations. Uh, women have a very difficult time; don't have the same rights that we have, for example, in Europe or the United States and other places. Uh, it's funny you actually mention that because still today you see a lot of people saying that women don't have a lot of rights or something to that, you know, a lot of marches and stuff going on these well, days over subjects like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's something I notice. Right, uh, but, right. uh, well, things are better, but there's still a lot more for improvement. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot Fair more enough. room for improvement. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things is, is, you know, we, we think we live in democracy, you know, again, we vote every two or four years or something. But when you think about it, we spend most of our time in authoritarian institutions. Our corporations and businesses are not democracies, okay? They're not, you know? And we spend, people spend 40, 60 hours a week in those. And then there are other, you know, and many uh, nonprofits are also not, you know, they're not democracies. They're authoritarian medieval institutions. They're hierarchies and... Um, and so, you know, how can we <clears throat> live more in democracy is something I try to look at. You know, how can we make things more democratic uh, well, do you and think more accountable? Could a corporation say, really, um, I, I, it seems like a foreign idea to think it could run any other way than with some sort of, you know, um, top-down structure well, where yeah. you've got, you know, a few people I, making all the big decisions and right, on right. down. Um, you know, that's pretty foreign idea i'd say right. to most people because we're used to you know right we're used to obeying and doing what we're told to do well yeah i mean i <laughs> guess i guess the degree. argument would be that you know well you know this person owns or creates this business shouldn't they have the right to do with it as they want right um right. and uh right you know. the, the issue is that nobody creates their own business they create the, their a business with other people and other you know other uh, uh resources as for example you know they got their education from somewhere they got their training from somewhere oftentimes publicly paid i mean there's all there we're, we exist all together we're in this all together uh and you know and it gets you know there yeah ownership is a big big super big issue <laughs> you know maybe we'll get into some other times like <laughs> private property and all but but we do live in a society <clears throat> where we tend to be much more accepting of authoritarian structures than we think we should be um and authoritarian people and sociopathic people, what I call predators, uh, who can be also very charming, so they seem nice and all, but um, that then can, you know, don't necessarily have our best interests at heart. Wouldn't that be kind of a problem with any um, sort of structure? I mean, it's a problem, I guess, either way. Yeah. But I mean, I, you know, sociopathic people, um, is my understanding, you know, depend, you know, like you said, they can be charming and stuff, but they tend to rise to the top of things sometimes. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a selfless person might not just because maybe right. they don't have what some would call like that killer instinct right, or something. Right. You know, yeah, is that an issue? Well, it, it depends. There's, you know, one of the ways I divide things up in that way, looking at what you're talking about is... There are people who are founders, you know, people who found a corporation or a business. And founders is quite a spectrum of personality. You know, you can have people who are pretty, you know, caring about others and, you know, want a company that is, you know, pays as well as it can and provide benefit, you know, do all kinds of things. But, you know, in, in, in a company where, you know, they're very focused on communication and they want, you know, the, the, the management really wants to hear when they're not doing things right from people below them. There are places like that. Not many, but there are places <laughs> like that, okay. Uh, I had a friend who worked in a place like that. Um, actually, it was called Tableau. It's a big company here before uh -huh. it got bought out by uh, Salesforce. Uh, had that kind of culture. 
but then there are, you know, and so founders can be all very different, and the founders sort of create the culture. Yeah. So, you know, particular cultures can be more, in a sense, democratic, more communicative, more accountability is more up and down. And then you can have cultures where people have moved up the corporate ladder. In order to move up the corporate ladder, it doesn't mean all people move up the corporate ladder, but I've met, you know, a lot of people move up the corporate ladder have had to climb over bodies. And so to get to the top it takes a certain level of ruthlessness. Yeah. And a certain... Uh, you know, yeah, not care, lack of empathy, and people who can do that oftentimes kind of get to the top. Okay, not that I'm saying all people at the top are like that, but right, but that's, right, but right. that, but it has more of that because you have to, you know, if you're, yeah, you're, you're competing with others to move up, right? And you may not do it in the nicest way, and you may use other people's creativity or their caring, or and then say it's your own. That happens a lot. I meet a lot of people who. You know, are not given credit for what they're doing, and their managers take it. And yeah. then that moves them up the ladder, even though they may be far less competent than the people below them. Yeah. That's something anyway, I feel like I've seen a lot, actually. You yeah. know, at least in my time, uh, you know, when I uh, didn't live life as a YouTuber. And, but, um, so I guess you've spent a lot of time, I guess noticing these things these things that are wrong with society economics governance and then trying to come up with ideas that would improve them would you yeah, say yeah yeah i'm, I'm interested I, I think it's important not just to be critical or to have critique but to come up with constructive alternatives or ideas about how to improve things so i put a lot of emphasis on that i'm just not interested in saying oh this is what's wrong i think it's it's, it takes a. It's, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's a lot easier to tear something down than to build something. Yeah. Very much, much more difficult to build something. So, do you kind of see that things? It would be a, just a general negative on society for things to continue on as they are, like uh, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, we're, I mean we we're, need... we're destroying this planet. I right. Mean, you know. I mean, the planet's okay. going to survive without human beings. It'll be yeah. fine. I mean, the planet doesn't need us. It, it'll it'll get through whatever we do. Uh, but, you know, it's a question of human existence. You know, where are we going to be at? You know, are we destroying all our resources? Are we polluting the, the planet so it's, you know, it, it's so poison and toxic we can't recover? I mean, these are, these are major issues. And we're a society that keeps, you know, we want all more and more commodities, more things. It's pretty hard, pretty hard uh, momentum to stop. It's how we've become maybe too materialistic and selfish and focused on gaining resources for ourselves without kind of thinking about the larger whole. Because I guess, you know, yeah, e yeah. either we'll wind up right. like uh, like Star Trek or we'll be dead, right? Or <laughs> well, it could like be, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It could <laughs> so, be that direction, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess a lot of what we'll end up talking about on this podcast are these topics. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so what do you, I, I mean... I guess you see both good and bad with everything that's going on today, right? Uh -huh. And it's not all bad because no, no, we've made a lot of improvements over the years and stuff. No, but at the yeah. same time, some things are trending in the wrong direction. You know, like when you look at the state of society, culture, uh -huh. politics today, um, you know, I see, I've seen, I feel yeah. like I've seen that trending in the wrong direction in a way because yeah. I feel like there's more division than more, there was more, more polarization. Yeah. Uh, is, yeah, is that what you've seen? Yeah, as I well? think so. I think well, you know, there's both things happening. I think there's a lot more polarization clearly in politics, and and there's a lot more hatred. There's a you know, there's a lot more negativity just in general. And I think one of the ways to think about one of the ways I judge or try to think about uh, what pe leadership or people in power are doing, regardless of whatever that leadership or power is doing, is are they creating more harmony are they creating more peace are they bringing people together you know what what are what are the results of what they do what are the consequences and if the consequences are pretty much negative that kind of tells you a lot about them and that maybe they're not really doing things for the benefit of society or even the individual that there's something else at work here so one of the ways to look at things is you know what what are the fruits i mean you know that's an old common cliche way of thinking you know about you know what are the fruits of somebody's labor 
And I think all we need to do is look at the fruits of somebody over a period of time, and that tells you a lot about them and what they're doing. Or an institution, what are the fruits of the institution? Well, that's a, it's, it leads to an interesting question that, I, that comes to my mind, which is, you know, I mean, say if you looked at any past president or something, the last few, the last few we've had, yeah. you, you know, half people would say, oh, well, here's a long list of things that this individual did that I think were great uh -huh. and fruitful. And yeah. then the other half would say, uh, I disagree. <laughs> and that, and you, that would be for each president. So it's like, how do we... How do people start finding common ground today? Do you think? Because that seems well, to be like a, such a big yeah, issue, yeah. You know, that's you know? really huge. I think the way to find common ground is to really listen and talk to one another. Um, one of you know when when people are are very angry and and very passionate about overly you know in a negative way, oftentimes I find there's a lot of fear behind that and insecurity so the key is to find out what are people afraid of what are they insecure about you know and if, and if you can listen and talk to people and find out really what what's what's motivating whatever they're thinking usually it comes from some something around you know and, and you know fear and insecurity yeah. and wanting certainty certainty is a huge one that's why there's sort of this sometimes retro thinking where you know the good old days were, were better you know that uh, women should be like they were in the 50s or 40s and you know that's the way women should be rather than uh, looking at uh, the diversity we have you know that's one of the positive things we can look at in terms of our our let's say uh, our ecosystem our human mm -hmm. ecosystem is that uh, over time there's been an increase in diversity across all kinds of ways and that's a good thing because the more diverse a environment is an, an ecosystem is then the more adaptable it is the less diversity the less adaptable so just kind of going back to economics the more centralized things are economically the more monopolies there are or oligopolies the few the less competition there is the less diversity in the ecosystem that means there's less adaptability and I think that's one of the reasons why we have so much tremendous problems with our economy now, especially you know, in the United States, is because things have become too centralized. There are too many big things, <laughs> too many big banks that can't fail, and corporations, and et cetera. Not enough diversity. Yeah, and then fixing those uh, right. issues, I think the average individual who just lives in the country probably sees a lot of these things as almost too big to think about or to take on or you know or that they maybe their voice is inconsequential right. and i know i've experienced a lot of that in my life the feeling of like oh i see this problem and i recognize it but there's nothing i can do about it so why should i care you know right and should people care <laughs> well i guess it's a choice <laughs> it's a choice <laughs> not to care uh but i think most people care i i think uh you know being kind more kind and loving and listening and caring and uh trying to see other people's perspectives and not being so reactive i think all helps a lot even just even the small circle of friends you might have or acquaintances or strangers you meet so basically you can have effect, a ripple effect yeah, you can affect have those around you right but we also need to look at our larger institutions you know, so we have to think about, you know, what what are what are the larger institutions doing? You know, so, you know, in, in Seattle, there's a lot of homeless people. There's a lot of people who are barely making me ends meet. This is a very expensive place to live in. And a lot of people can't afford the rents. Uh, and, you know, what do we do about to change that? How do we make that so that works? How do we make it so that people can have a, a wage that enables them to have their own one-bedroom apartment or whatever instead of having three people in the one-bedroom apartment, which right. is the case for a lot of people who are, you know, working fairly low-wage-paying jobs. Very difficult for them. But know, that we're would, in the Seattle would, area, by right, the way, right. which is, so, and this is definitely an issue that affects this yeah. and many other cities. Right, right, right. Um, but the way to handle it, I mean, you might get a lot of different perspectives on that, you know, and, Good, and yeah. because it kind of, I, you know, it depends on what you consider the root of the problem to be. Right. Uh, well, the root of the problem isn't that they're all lazy and don't want to do anything. A lot of these enough. people are working two or three jobs. You know, they have kids. You know, it, it's not laziness. It's 
it, a lot of it is just that certain jobs pay so little. So right. So maybe you need a higher minimum wage. Maybe there's some other form of wealth redistribution. You know, so that college is free or more or less expensive, or there's uh, money to pay for daycare. You know, that was actually something I think it was. I may have this wrong, but during COVID, uh, there was a lot of money for childcare, and I think that stopped recently or was mm. going to stop. And so how is that going to affect people who don't have a lot of money who can't afford childcare for the most part? Yeah, I, you know, uh, well, it, you know, a lot of places have, I, I, I think I heard California recently uh, upped their minimum wage yeah, or something yeah. like that uh -huh. too. I think, I forget what the amount was, but significantly higher than, Right. Um, uh, than what the federal minimum wage is, and uh, but a lot of the you know the arguments I was hearing against such a hike uh -huh. obviously is that um, you know if you make like a job flipping burgers at a McDonald's you know which in my mind should is a job that should be kind of almost reserved for like sixteen year olds in a uh -huh. way. Yeah. Sorry to any uh, thirty year old <laughs> burger flippers out there, right. but you know I. Uh, it's like a job I worked. You know, I made pizzas when I was yeah, young right. and stuff like right. that. You know, and and because it's a good entry level position sure. for a young person sure. to learn work ethic and stuff like that. Right. And making a job like that have a very high um, wage or what corporations would consider a high wage, um, I guess their argument would be, well, we're just going to hire less people, or maybe maybe we're going to mechanize. You know, because there's McDonald's out there now or something right. that are like yeah, mechanized. Yeah. yeah, there are. Yeah, you know? there's more of that. And yeah. so. Does it, will, will corporations and stuff like that not just maybe find a way around that? And, and so is, is it, do we need to change corporations, I guess? Or? Well, it'd be nice to change corporations because our, almost all our laws in this country protect corporations. They have more rights right. than you as an individual, believe it or not. And you can thank the Supreme Court for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, the problem with, with, with wages is 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 that lots of times wages are kept low so that uh, the stock prices the corporation can make more money or the executives or the people who own the company can make more money so there was a, a studies done some time ago um, that looked at you know it's like a McDonald's like I think it was McDonald's mm -hmm. it was McDonald's somewhere in the states versus McDonald's in Finland and in the states, they were making like I think this is done a long time ago. They were making like eight dollars an hour, and in Finland, McDonald's employees were making approximately twenty dollars an hour, and they had benefits, etc. Interesting. The McDonald's still made a hell of a lot of money in Finland. Okay, they still made money in Finland. They didn't make as much money as McDonald's does in the United States. So a lot of it has to do with how greedy corporations are, and they've gotten greedier and greedier. I mean, you know, I mean, look at Apple. Apple's got a trillion dollars in the bank. Well, not the bank, but they have like a trillion right. dollars. What are they doing sitting on a trillion dollars for? Where did that money come from? Well, it came from probably not paying their workers enough. <laughs> All Cheap kinds labor of, overseas. Well, I, mean, they I mean, people who work for, you know, Apple get pretty paid pretty well, but not as well as the corporation, all of its wealth, etc. So I think you need to look at, you know, what, what are the profits in a corporation? How much money are they making? And, you know, we have, we have lots of billionaires now. Trillionaires. <laughs> where, where does all this money come from? It comes from somewhere. And why isn't that not more, why doesn't that not, why isn't that money going to the people who are producing the value, flipping the hamburgers or whatever they're doing? So it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's more about some sense of balance. And there isn't much balance now. It's all about, making, about people at the top making more and more money and squeezing the people at the bottom. So, I mean, I guess I'll come right out and, like, ask in a way. You know, I guess some people would hear some of these ideas and just go, are, are we talking about some sort of socialist uh, thing here? Or is it just, uh, a little different from that? Because... Uh, are we? Are you kind of against the idea of capitalism, or do you think it could just be better? Oh no, I think I'm very pro-capitalism. I actually been developing an idea called eco-capitalism. Okay. Where you know, if you look at capitalism, capitalism, read Adam Smith. It's all about a diversity 
of many different businesses. And because you have a lot of businesses and there, you know, there's this diversity, they then keep prices down. If we're looking at a money-based system, they keep the prices down because there's this diversity. So it's a, it's a, it's say a rich, complex ecosystem, and that's what then keeps the prices down. And there's a greater equity in terms of wealth wealth distribution. So people at the top are not making you know ten thousand times more than people at the bottom. You know things are fair. Things are more just and fair in that kind of a system uh, versus a system where you know, you you have more centralization, like I was talking about, and more oligopolies, less diversity in the system, and as there's less diversity, then the money seems to get more accumulated by people at the top. And so, you know, capital, if you look at, you know, the, the goal of any corporation is to eliminate all the other corporations. <laughs> it's about, but if you think about it, right. if they eliminate all the corporation, other all the other competition, then there's no more capitalism. They're just they're just a monopoly. They control everything. That's that's not capitalism. Yeah, that's monopoly. That's centralization. That's uh, uh, that's that's like having a king run everything. Okay, except it's a corporation. What's the difference? So that's an inherent contradiction. You know, in 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 in. in kind of the way most people think about cap capital is really about good capitalism about diversity so not about monopoly and what do you think would be the best uh, is eco capitalism is that like an, an idea you came up with or something you're picking uh, up off of you know or? i'm not sure i'm sure other people have come up with it before okay. i've just been writing a little bit about it thinking about it and to achieve that how how Difficult or easy? Do you think that could be? Well, um, it's you know, it's uh, you have to decentralize things. So um, in physics, there's something called the Brownian effect. Uh, this is where I take something from kind of physics. In the Brownian effect, if you put matter in a um, in a, a space that's uh, where there's no where there's no nothing else on, just the matter inside it. And you, and you just let it interact, matter has a tendency to accumulate. This is why we have galaxies. You know, matter is not evenly distributed in the, world, in, in the universe. This is why we have cities. People congregate. This is why people amass power. There's a centralization of money. There's a centralization effect that is ubiquitous across all kinds of systems. So, in, in a more diverse ecosystem you have to counter this centralization and that you have to decentralize well there's different ways we decentralize uh, we have social security you know that protects people who are older and and their money is then you know money is taken from them and partly from the government and taxes that's kind of a redistribution of money that then helps people to have social security uh, we have an income tax. We have different kinds of taxes. There's lots of different laws that supposedly prevent, you know, that are antitrust laws that prevent kind of the monopolizations and the centralization. But none of them are really, really enforced these days. Because a lot of the way. laws were written in the 40s and 50s and are hard to apply in any way now. But the world's changed a lot. Right, yeah. right. But I don't see anybody doing anything about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I pick up the Democrats, you know, the Democrats during the Obama administration, had control of both the House and the Senate, veto-proof, and they didn't change one labor law that I'm aware of. Not one. Not one law to help with, you know, all kinds of things. You know, that would help poor people out and maintain this diversity in the, in the, in the business ecosystem. Very little. Oh yeah, they did lower. They did raise taxes on the wealthy by a couple percentage points. Okay, well, okay, big deal. <laughs> All right. I mean, in, from my perspective, that the problem there even probably comes in that the fact that we let these corporations pay money to candidates, yes. uh, pretty much as much as they want. Oh yeah, All the and that, then 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 that just creates like it such a problem. I agree. I think uh, the Democrats are just as much bought out by uh, by the uh, high IT corporations and you know information technology corporations as the republicans i don't see that much difference between the parties when it comes to these sorts of things there's a little you know there's lots of other differences but yeah so that's why there's haven't been any new you know there's no new laws i don't see anybody doing anything about that you know and you know, and 
I, speaking for myself, I, I know that when I look at stuff like that, you know, it's again one of those things I almost feel like powerless to do anything about, you right. know, because you feel you feel pretty small compared to, uh, I don't know, a big corporation or, or whatever it is that mm-hmm. seems like it's controlling things uh, and has more power than you do. Um, and so I guess you just kind of uh, get worn out in a way. Yeah, I think people do get worn out. Yeah, I think you do get worn out. And yeah, you know, finding ways around that and, and, and you know, or trying, thinking up ways to, to fix these issues is, uh, it's always been a tough one, at least for me personally, to, yeah. you know, I mean, I can get on board with ideas and anything like that, you know, uh-huh. I, I mean, hearing what you have to say about it, I'm like, oh, that seems like an interesting thing to try and everything. Right. Um, you think these ideas just need to get disseminated more and disseminated. We need to think more about what our values are, what's important to us. What do we want for our children? You know, um, how do we really create a sense of kind of well-being and happiness and meaningfulness, purposefulness in our lives. And it's not just about me. It's about sort of the we too. It's, it's both. It's both at the micro level, the psychological level, the personal level, but also at the macro level. So we need to work in both worlds. You know, so there's a lot of <clears throat> a lot of self-help books out there about how to be happy, and you know, in positive psychology, a lot of them are very useful. Um, however, we we've had hundreds of these books over many dec over many centuries, actually, and I don't know if people are actually any happier, um, because the problem is, you know, individual happiness does not necessarily mean uh, that uh, there's a happiness in a larger systems level or community level. So yeah. you could be happy, but in a larger systems level, a lot of people could be starving around you. But things are good for you, <laughs> but they're not good for the for the you know for the society as a whole. So we need to balance those interests out, the individual interests and the interests that are about the community, about the system. So I guess it all kind of comes back to in the end, uh, getting people to start thinking more selflessly. And less selfishly. Uh, it kind of seems like that would right. be the origin of, uh, or the start to fixing a lot of these issues. No, you know, I, I would say yes. There's that's part of it, but there's also a lot of people who don't believe in themselves. There's, I, you know, I have a lot of people who come into my practice who don't have very much self confidence, who don't believe in themselves, who are afraid to follow their dreams, and so there's not a left en- enough confidence for them to to be kind of the individuals they want to be, to practice their, their sort of self-expression and manifest who they are in the world. So that's happening along with, you know, the fact that people aren't as connected as they as they could be. They're both happening. You know, people are more lonely. Now. I mean, you've probably seen yeah. this in the New York Times. It's been everywhere. I think there's some... Well known, I think yeah. Britain has a minister of loneliness or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyways, anyways, loneliness is... Well, we're, we're becoming more lonely because we're less connected and and the loneliness actually makes it even more difficult for you than to achieve who you to do the things you want to do because oftentimes most things we can't do by ourselves we need people to cheerlead us we need people to believe in us we need support we need all this this social fabric around us to help us to do things otherwise we don't do them like i don't know uh, a lot of my uh things that i've done in my life have first started out when I talk to people about them. You know, I talk to some friends and colleagues and this and that, and as we talk more and more, and then I think, oh, well, then I can, maybe I'll do something. Maybe I'll try this or do something like that. But without that support, initial support, it's very hard to get off the ground to do things. That's why it's very hard to be entrepreneurial in our society, because a lot of people just don't believe in themselves. Yeah, I was... so society's kind of come to an interesting place, because, you know, some people might say, you know... Hey, I, I'm connected. I, I talk to 50 people a day uh, through this little device right here. Right. But it's almost kind of like a false connection in a way. Uh, do you kind of agree with that? Because, I, I mean, to me, uh, the connection you receive from, uh, say, a person-to-person yeah. thing, as I mean, initially I floated the idea of like doing this on Zoom. Uh-huh. And then eventually I had uh-huh. to completely throw that idea yeah. out because it's like it didn't feel right. Right, right. You know, like you could do it and then... Right. It would be saying the same things, probably, maybe different. I don't know. Let's yeah. say it just felt Something. different. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is. It, it hits is. different. Yeah, yeah. Connection in general hits different. Yeah, 
agree. Via phone and and interpersonal like this. Right. Uh, so you, you you would agree with that? You think that like the social media age and the internet and everything is because people are more lonely now, even though we are more connected, right? Right. By internet. Well, I think what I think goes to what you're saying is that we're not seeing each other in person. There isn't a physical. We're physical creatures. We need physical touch. We need perceptual touch. We need, you know, like you and I are having, people need to be together physically. And that physicality helps people then feel happier and more connected and, and believe in themselves more. And, you know, I think, yeah, the whole, you know, focus on, you know, the smartphones is, is leading us away from that. That's sort of the negative side. On the other hand, the internet has really integrated the world in ways that are really good. You know, the fact is that, you know, people in China can be reading the same things we're reading. Yeah, there's yeah. censorship <laughs> and stuff, I know. But yeah, in a yeah, sense, yeah. There's, there's a tremendous amount of interconnection right. that's going on in the world. And it may be that interconnection that stops us from having a World War III. Could so be. That, you know, that so there, there's, there's, some, there's some good things. But, yeah, there is this sense that... You know, there's a disconnection because you're not dealing with a, 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 you're not even dealing with a real person. Right. I don't think they. Some people necessarily register that. Right, 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 right. That's why you get a lot of hate comments <laughs> right. and nasty comments on Twitter or whatever. Sure. Well, you know, because yeah. people things nobody would say in person. Right. 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 And, well, and, that's true. And so, yeah, there's that disconnect there between, ah, well, this doesn't really register to me as being a human being almost. This is right. just something that, these are words on the internet. Yeah, uh, it gets into, you know, addictions because it, these these polarizing discussions and arguments and re high reactiveness, you know, creates a lot of dopamine in the system, creates a lot of kind of energy, and we can get kind of addicted to that. Uh, like a drug, and not really deal with the you know not really deal with what's really meaningful. We're we're into the we're into you know the, the hype. We're into the polarization. We're into saying outrageous things, so that then that creates this energy. But the energy is is kind of a it's kind of a poor substitute for real connectedness. Yeah, it's a poor substitute for feeling kind of good about yourself and feeling confident and feeling whole uh, and that's why it's so addictive because the more empty people get the less they know themselves the less they know what it's like to be with others the more they crave this this sort of drug yeah so well on the internet like anything else it could be a tool for good or good right. or tool for bad yes right right and i guess finding the balance is the key in a way yeah um so we're about an hour in anything else you want to add this is kind of our podcast that we're just talking about in general things that we will be talking about in future episodes mm -hmm. all these topics um anything else you want to mention um no i think we've Kind okay. of covered quite a quite a gamut. I think There's always have. more yeah. to cover, but um, yeah, hopefully this has been yeah. interesting or useful in some way. Yeah, um, we'll call this the end of the first episode, everyone. Uh, next one's going to be on dating, and uh, thanks for watching. Appreciate it.